Hello everyone, sorry for getting on late, uh, running a little behind, had to walk my dogs, um, they needed to go use the restroom, you know, they don't walk themselves, um, <laughs> but um, today we're going to be talking about Jehovah Jireh number three, part three, and it's amazing to look at God and seeing that he provides financially, yes he does, we, we talked about that yesterday, today we're going to talk about how he provides protection. And it's easy to overlook. It's easy to say, look, you know, God, he's provider. So that only refers to this one compartment, this one department of provision, as in finances. Hey, Joshua. And we find that that's not true at all. It's, it's not accurate. God provides health. He provides finances. He provides divine appointments, he he provides um, protection, relationships, he provides all these different things, he provides time, he provides life, he provides everything around us that we see on, with our eyes on a constant basis. And so, today I'm going to be talking to you from Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you're familiar with this story, something that's always puzzled me is how come David's not listed? You ever wondered that? I've always wondered, how come David isn't listed with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Did it mean that he was, you know, he, he bowed down and worshipped this idol? I mean, it's the only conclusion I can think of. But he doesn't come out and say it. Of course not. You want to incriminate yourself in your own letter, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's just just an idea. Just thought. Just throwing that out there. So starting in verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and his breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. And the king, then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the, the satraps and the perfects. Uh, uh, the prefects, sorry, and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the justices and the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, uh, the, the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the justices and the magistrates and all the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. It repeats it twice, right? It says, and the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and tongues, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, uh, trigen, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into a burning burning fiery furnace therefore as soon as all the people heard the sound of an instrument let's put it that way we'll cut through it the peoples the nations and the tongues fell down and worshiped the golden image that king nebuchadnezzar had set up verse 8 therefore at a certain time um, chaldeans came forward and um, maliciously accused the jews they declared that to king nebuchadnezzar o king live forever you, O king, have made a decree 
that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the right, the the instruments shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down uh, and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Shash, Meshach, <laughs> and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego be, be brought. And so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to him, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready when you hear the, the sound, you know, the instruments, I'm paraphrasing here so they don't have to read them all, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So here, this happens in, in everyday life, um, especially nowadays more than ever, where people are challenging God as if they can challenge God, right? And so here's a king who has allowed power to get to his head. And he's saying, well, who can deliver you from my hands? So Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, verse, verse 16, answered and said to the king, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Hmm, interesting, right? If there be, If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up. So here is their response. They're responding back to King Nebuchadnezzar. No, our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not worship. See, here's the thing that um, a lot of people look at. See, look, they had doubt. It doesn't necessarily say they had doubt. They're just saying that they're refusing to budge. And that in itself is trust, that they're completely trusting God. So they're not putting their trust in, in, in their ability. They're not putting their trust in anything else. They're putting their trust completely in the one who can deliver them. That's, that's God. Right. Verse 19, And Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordained, he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king order was urgent and the furnace overheated the flame of the fire killed those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste and he declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, 
and they they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the the son of the gods. Now, this is interesting. This is what is going on. The fire doesn't even touch them. It undoes their bounds, their, what they were there tied with, if it was rope or whatever. It just melted off of them, if it was metal. Didn't harm their persons. And they're walking in the midst of the fire with the Son of God. Now, this is interesting. Because when we look at Jesus' life, we can see that he wasn't touched until it was time for him to be touched. Right? They tried to kill him multiple times. They could not touch him. He walked to the midst of him and no one touched him. So if the devil really wanted to kill him, he, he could have killed him. No, it's not true. If the, the devil could not kill him because of who he is. He is untouchable. And this gets into a, a very interesting topic because you begin to realize that God provides divine protection. And when we begin to look at this and, and really... I'm telling you, we can pull out scripture after scripture and passage and story, and you can see how God provides divine protection. And when we, when I look at this, I'm thinking, what if I was there? What if you were there? What if, it, you know, the three guys, you know, uh, Doug and, and Joshua and me, we're, we're thrown into this fiery furnace. And we're not burnt up, but all of a sudden our our our, our, you know, what we were bound with comes undone. We're walking in the fiery furnace and Jesus is there. I can tell you, my focus isn't going to be on, hey, I'm in a fiery furnace. My focus is going to be praising God, worshiping God, talking to Jesus, moving around in, in complete euphoria, you know, <laughs> just excited, pumped, and and just like, look what my God just did, right, and and look what happens, it says, the Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fire furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here, and they walked, they came out from the fire, they walked out of the fire. It says in the straps, the satraps and the, the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire hadn't had uh, had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The the hair of their heads was not singed, the cloaks were not harmed, there was no smell of fire that, even on them. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God. Of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and devoured his, uh, delivered his servants, excuse me, who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree: any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. And their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So it led to promotion. God's divine protection led to promotion because 
they were not willing to be moved. They were not willing to be uh, changed in the direction. Uh, they were completely loyal to God. And I'm sure this rang true with King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, there's something else. If we fast forward a couple chapters into chapter chap, uh, chapter 7 of Daniel, and we, we find, or chapter 6, sorry, and we find that Daniel in the lion's den and what transpired from there. And I just wonder, and like I say, and I'm not saying this is what I believe or anything. I just wonder if Daniel learned by the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and was willing to stand what he believed in as far as God. And that's why, you know, he bowed down and he, he prayed even though he was commanded not to, right? And so we saw his divine protection where God shut the mouths of the lions and who knows? He probably even fell asleep in there in perfect peace. And so when we begin to look at this and begin to see that God provides, Jehovah Jireh provides, the provider provides protection. So you can go into to places, to areas, and understand that God is with you. And so as we begin to look at this and, and digest this, and I'm telling you, we can go to story after story, but when we look back at Jesus, how no one could touch Jesus, they wanted to, to, to throw him off a pinnacle. They wanted to push him off a cliff. And they weren't able to. He just walked right to the midst of him because it was not yet his time. Now think about this. What if believers understood this? What if believers understood that God is protector, that he provides protection? What would be impossible for us to do? Nothing. I met this lady. Um, she was very old. She might have been. She might have passed away already. Um, she was in her 70s or 80s, um, about oof, showing my age, about 15 years ago. And this lady... She had gotten fired, on fire for God. She was just on fire, right? She was fired up. She was, she was learning about evangelism. She's like, God, I want a chance to evangelize. And she lived in the ghetto. She lived in a very bad part of the city where there was shootings. There was, you know, she didn't dare go out after dark just because it was as bad. And... One night, she's praying, and she's talking to God, and she says, God, I just want to find somebody to witness to. Give me a chance to witness. She says, okay, go out your front door, go to those boys over there in the, in the, in the basketball court, and, and witness to them. And she's like, what? Like, they'll kill me. And he says, well, you asked for an opportunity. So she goes. I don't remember if it was at the, in that time or in another day, but she goes to him, and they, they, nobody's listening to her. So the ball happens to bounce near her. She grabs the ball. They start threatening her, and she's like, no, you're going to listen to me. And she began preaching Christ Jesus to them, led them all to the Lord. And pretty soon, in a very short amount of time, she had over 25 people she had led to the Lord from that park. And she would go back to the park to find more people to, to lead to the Lord. And she was just so excited and so tickled at the fact that as she took a step out, that God protected it and provided for her. Now, 
what's interesting is it reminds me of another story. How God provides. There was um, a lady. She gets, she's in India. Um, she lives in Sri Lanka, and she she tells this uh, pastor that she wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So he instructed her, and he said this lady was just one of those ladies that just wouldn't leave him alone, right? Um, he didn't care to chat with her, or talk with her, or, or have fellowship with her. Um, she was just annoying to him. And, and so he, he got her baptized in the Holy Spirit. She's all excited. She returns home, and she contacts him a month later. She goes, all right, I, I've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm, um, what do I do now? He says, well, start evangelizing. And she says, okay. So she calls him again. She says, okay, pastor, I've been evangelizing. And I, I got some people saved. And understand her first language wasn't English. It, it was a language in, in Sri Lanka. And um, so she was trying to communicate with this pastor best she can. And so this pastor's like, okay, we'll start discipling them, start training them, and everything. She's like, okay. So she kept writing to him, look, we, we're, we're too big. I need your help. There's 300 of us now. He's like, 300? That's a small church. That's really good, but you don't need my help with 300 people. And she's like, no, no, you have to come. You have to come. I'm buying your airplane ticket. You're coming to Sri Lanka. So he finally gives in. He goes. She didn't know how to write the correct number. It was over 30,000 people. And her story was just amazing how God provided protection for her in the midst of witchcraft, in the midst of threats and, and all kinds of things. But she just kept doing what was right, doing what the word of God says. And she saw it manifest to where she had led over 30,000 people to Christ and she didn't ha she had no idea how to structure how to train these people beyond what she knew that she had learned from the pastor. And so the pastor was just amazed and ended up spending a lot of time working with her and and getting things going in Sri Lanka. So a lot of times we're always looking for all the answers before we step into something. And this is something else I want to point out. When we look at Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, it's easy to say, I want to have all the answers before I take a step. But that wasn't their, their resolve. Their resolve was, I'm not going to bow down and worship. I'm, I'm just going to trust God. I'm, I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to walk with God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bow down and, and, and worship this idol and disobey God because I love him. Right? This is my take on it. And when you begin to realize they had set their resolve so for God that they're not moved from it. This is why I'm saying this is absolute trust. He said, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't provide protection, even if he doesn't deliver us, we still trust him. Right? And this is how we see what happened. Most people today will say, well, see, 
you know, God didn't provide. He didn't provide protection. So I'm not going to step into that situation. But it wasn't until they were thrown into the fire. Right? Isn't that what you read? So we're looking for protection outside of the fire. We're, we're looking for protection before we even get there. We want everything to be perfect and laid out and everything to be ready for us before we even step into something. And God's saying, I'm looking for those whose resolve is completely on me. You're completely on my word, completely on doing my will and not being moved from it. And this is what we find with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is what we find with Daniel. Daniel was not going to be moved from praying to God. He wasn't going to stop praying to God. He was going to continue praying to God. Now, could God have delivered them before they were thrown into the lion's den or thrown into the fiery furnace? Yes, he could have, but he didn't, did he? No, he was using it as a testimony. He was using it as an opportunity to, to show and defy the king and those who are trying to entrap them. And so God provides protection when you need it. They weren't moved. They never got into fear from what we can tell. They just completely relied on God, trusted in God, and he provided for them protection. The same principle works all the way across the board. Don't be moved from God's word. Know his word. Know his character. Know his nature. Don't be moved from it. Don't allow others to move you from it. Know it for yourself. Not because some famous preacher said this or some you know person said this. Know the word of God for yourself. Chew on it for yourself. Meditate on it for yourself. Begin to see that God provides protection. He provides healing. He provides provision. He provides all these things. And this is, this is what I'm getting at. Is as we go through these names, you're going to continue seeing as we go through the, the 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 next four, how they all overlap. And the greatest name that is so imprinted in this is I am. God says, "I am that I am." And I, I never really understood this um, until I've been going over the names and begin to realize what God is actually saying. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Not yet, but we're going to get there. And so, looking at God and seeing how He's so amazing, He's so loving, He's so merciful, but He's also just. He's also looking to show Himself strong on those on behalf of those who are willing to believe Him and trust Him. Un, the people that are unmovable, unshakable. Because other than that, we, it's hit and miss. God wants to protect you. He wants to provide protection for you. If you're willing just to trust Him. Surrender to Him and trust Him completely. God has so much for you. But you're not willing to step out. You're not willing to move forward. Why? Oh, because I don't have the protection. I don't have that assurance. Okay? What are you looking for? What are you waiting for? A sign? Make a plan. Let God order your plan. Let Him 
show you and guide you. This is what's important. This is what God wants for your life. And it's simple. Let God protect you. Let Him provide for you in all areas. He is provided. Okay? (laughs) I hope this has helped you. I hope this has opened your eyes to some things and let you know that God provides. And at some point, we'll have to talk about being untouchable. Because in Christ, we're untouchable. So bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you either tomorrow or Monday. All right. Bless you.